This is the Tactical Leader Podcast, where we're on a journey of self-mastery and true leadership. I believe that in order to lead others, you must first be able to lead yourself. And in order to lead yourself, you have to first know yourself. If you want to learn the tactics to get to know yourself, to lead yourself, and to lead others, stay tuned to hear from industry experts as I unpack the tactics that they've used to build their business, build culture, and lead others. Hey, everybody. Welcome back to another episode of The Tactical Leader. Today, I have the pleasure of speaking with Brett Knopf, and we're going to talk about how he is a high-performance coach with two decades of leadership experience and is now paying that forward with several people in his community. Before we begin, I'll remind you this show is brought to you by Nightly Productions. If you want to discover, embrace, and share your voice on a higher level, head over to nightly.productions to find out how we can help you do exactly that and create the tactical content that delivers. Again, that's nightly.productions. Brett, welcome to the show, my friend. Great to be here. Appreciate you having me. Brother, I am super excited to be having you on here. I know we uh, chopped it up pretty well. We're both bald, bearded, and beautiful. And I love good conversations like this, man, where I want to give the audience a little bit of an opportunity to know about you. I mentioned you're a high-performance coach. You have two decades of leadership experience and a tremendous track record of helping people and organizations maximize potential through customized coaching programs where progress is quantitatively measurable which is huge in the coaching space because a lot of times it is not that. So I can't wait to chop that up a little bit. Before we break down how you make those things so measurable, tell us a fun fact we might not know about you. Will do. So I actually was involved in one of the world's first search engine marketing, search engine optimization companies, right when Google was first coming to prominence. So it was with some college friends of mine that, you know, I was working at Tavern on the Green at the time. They call me up. They say, hey, Brett, we're down here in Florida. We've got, we made $50,000 in the last three days. Come check it out. Came down, saw it, went back, gave my two weeks notice and got involved in that, which was a lot of fun. Regrettably, we ended up in a situation where business and friendship cross paths and certain people wanted to keep all on the fun side. Certain people wanted to keep it on the business side. You know, I didn't want to get involved in any of that. So, uh, you know, I departed and took my payout and came back up north. But, you know, somewhat regrettably, those companies went on to be multi-million, billion-dollar companies all over the joint. So had we done it right, I would have been retired a long time ago. But alas, here we are learning and not actually regretting any of it. Yeah, man. I, I love that because I have a business partner in one of my businesses. And it, it's so interesting to the dynamic, right? When there's leadership, but when there's leadership among equal partners, there's a whole different level of communication, egos get involved, friendships get involved, right? So many other factors attached to that. Is there a, a lesson you've taken from that that you now either apply yourself or apply with clients to kind of break into that experience piece? Yeah, 100%. It's radical transparency. It's being open and honest about literally everything. You know, I think nothing should be held back, whether that's in business or in, in friendship and interpersonal relations. I see it too often where the lack of that transparency and communication is really where the, the trouble lies. There's typically a, a mutually agreed upon solution that can be reached if people are willing to just let it rip and, you know, without ego and, you know, come to find that mutually agreed upon solution. So that's been a very valuable lesson. There was too much, you know, subterfuge, let's call it going on during that period of time and shouldn't have been the case, but all good. 
And that's such a difficult thing at times, right? Because we talk about communication a lot and leadership as a whole. But what's interesting is so many people these days, it seems like aren't prepared for that radical transparency if it turns into something they don't want to hear necessarily. Have you run into that a little bit where there's pushbacks? I know I personally have learned the people that hire me in the coaching space want that, right? The people that don't hire me are the people that think I'm a little bit too blunt or a little, I, I don't frame things as well as they would like to hear those things. Do you see that piece kind of also on your world or are you communicating a hell of a lot better than I do? No, no. I mean, it, it happens. Certainly. I, you know, I find that for the most part, I'm able to understand communication styles for individuals. You know, I, I really look to do my best to avoid overgeneralized approaches to basically everything, but certainly within communication and leadership capacity, or frankly, any interpersonal relationships, you know, I'll be direct in asking, how do you respond best so that it's very clear from the outset what it is that you need to hear in order to help you grow, get better, improve, et cetera. So I'm grateful that I avoid it for the most part, but I also have run into the same issue as you in that sometimes being direct, even when it's with the best intentions, is not the mode that resonates with that individual. And quick to back off and apologize and, and try to come to a different way of understanding how to approach that communication. And I recognize like you have you have a list of quite a bit of resource on your website. I know a lot of what you have in there definitely is that mindset stuff, relentless Tim Grover, emotional intelligence, Daniel Goleman. I mean, that that's an old school one that I read years ago. I love Rich Dad Poor Dad. A lot of it really talks about that aspect of things, right? How to best communicate with people because it's such a key piece of it. Is there one book in particular that stands out to you that you're like, yeah, this is the one that we need to pick up today if we haven't yet? Yes. Well, two actually, and, and they're right behind me here. I purposely display them. Number one is High Performance Habits by Brendan Burchard. Now, I find that if you have the habits in place to really drive linearly towards whatever it is that you're trying to accomplish in your life, that's going to be the best path forward and really minimize distractions and interruptions that get in your way of that pursuit of, of your goals. And obviously having those goals in the first place is arguably step number one. So I think that Brendan does a tremendous job of you know, really boiling down these things into easily digestible habits that are applicable, that are going to elevate you in life, business mindset, you know, really across the board. So I, I love that one. I think it's just a foundational read. And then for business leaders in particular, but really you know, highly applicable in, in all areas of life is Ray Dalio's book, Principles, uh, Life and Work. I mean, this guy is one of the most successful business owners that's ever existed. You know, one of the top, if not the top, Ray Dalio's book, Principles, uh, Life and Work, hedge fund that's ever existed. And he really took everything that he's learned in life and work and systemized it into those principles that, once again, when applied, are highly, highly effective. And I just think that, you know, again, habits, principles, these foundational words, that's where people are missing the the boat is, you know, you're looking for these fancy solutions when in reality, you know, everything that you need to do to be successful is right there in front of you and can be boiled down into very simplistic habits and, and principles that you just need the discipline 
to actually execute on on a regular basis. I know I haven't read Brendan's book, but Ray Dalio's Principles. It's damn near an encyclopedia. I mean, it's, <laughs> it's massive. It's organized. it's organized like that. It is. It is. And it's massive, but it is one of those that has an immense amount of value in it, especially as you chip your way through it. But I know for me, that was a big piece of things, like making sure I read and learned lessons in different capacities. And that's why I love that you have this book list out there where you obviously have invested yourself in learning that. Have you found there to be a more beneficial way that you're learning? Is it from reading and picking up lessons like that? Is it from coaching, mentoring, peer groups? Where do you see like the most value for your advancement into what you're doing now? Where have you seen that come from the most? Sure. So it's actually a combination of both of those things. I know enough to know that I don't know enough. (laughs) A little tongue twister there, but I've made it a really important piece of my life and business puzzle to identify the people that I respect, that I want to emulate and, you know, identify what it is that they're doing that's driven their own success in the areas of life and business that I want to have success in. So, you know, reading these books from these great people that, you know, objectively have achieved so much and not just financially, but, you know, happiness and interpersonal relationships, et cetera. To me, all the wisdom in the world is accessible to all of us at this point, whether it's through books or podcasts or you know YouTube videos. So I just consistently feed my brain with those types of you know leveling up strategies that I can take and apply from these folks. But you know, for me as a coach and as as a consultant for business leaders, I want to learn from the people that are doing that at a high level. They've already you know worked with. You know, your C-suite folks, you know, again, just some of the top achievers in, in the world. So, you know, I've invested heavily in my own education, working with people like Brendan Burchard, working with David Meltzer, Tony Robbins, Dean Graziosi. I mean, just these heavy hitters in the self-development world so that I can show up as a better version of myself. But that also allows me to show up as a better version for the people that I'm blessed to work with. And that's important to me. Now, I just, I want learn every day, get better every single day and, you know, learn from the people that are already in the places that I see myself going. And you bring up Melser. He's one of those that I've worked with before and spoken with on stage before. And like, David's one of those dudes that like, I don't know what it is, man. He has a magnetism about him, right? Like he attracts people. I think that's like the best way to put it. Maybe it's like charisma, right? He just has that it factor. Have you seen that in working with him and these other high level leaders that there's just some sort of X factor that stands out or have you identified what that is that draws that magnetism to, to himself and people to him? Yeah. You know, I've been working with David as my business coach for the last eight months or so. So I was attracted to his messaging, you know, well before that and reading his book, following him on social media, et cetera. And I'd say what stands out about him is he is an active giver. He gives with no expectation of return, but he, he gets as a byproduct of just genuinely giving a shit about other people and, you know, really making it a point to not just say, but to do on a regular basis. So to me, it's, you know, he doesn't pursue as much as he attracts good people, good business, you know, all of the things. And I think that 
to really have that be a part of your your life, you have to be actively looking for opportunities to bring value to other people without expectation of anything in return. And you know, I'm fortunate in that I've had other mentors, and you know, that's been my default for a very long time personally. And as a result, I've had relative success, and certainly in my relationships over the years of being able to connect with people, regardless of background, regardless of, of really anything. But you know, I think that these these leaders that operate like that are the ones that people are going to run through walls for them and they're going to want to be around them and you know proactively look to, to help in whatever capacity they can. And that's the big thing, right? And you hear it all the time, but I think when you actually start seeing it and feeling it, but that whole pay it forward thing, you know, you pay it forward karma at the end of the day, right? You put out that good business karma. David's one of those is great about it, right? He puts out, he helps people consistently and it like comes back to you tenfold. And really, I think there are times when we're like on the downswing of business where we don't always feel that, right? We don't always feel that karma coming back. And I've had my frustrations like, man, I know I'm doing the right things, but it's just not swinging. The pendulum's not swinging back up, right? Have you had those experiences as you've grown your coaching business where you have those like great moments, but they swing into a low? And how do you get through those low moments if you've had them? Yeah, by all means. I think everyone goes through it. You know, you hear all the time and, you know, again, from experience that it's not straightforward ascent to superstardom in, in anything, really. There's trials and tribulations. And those are the things that that really become those learning experiences so you can avoid those pitfalls. And that's why it's important to have coaches and mentors to begin with so that they can help you avoid the lowest of the lows that they've gone through from their own experience. So, you know, for me, I do cognitive behavioral therapy. And, you know, I started that with the intention of improving my sleep But what's been the biggest benefit from that over the years is really understanding how to respond versus react. And in doing so, you know, it's easy when you're having those down periods, people aren't picking up the phone, they're not signing on the dotted line to start doubting yourself, to start getting upset and reacting in a counterproductive manner. But if you understand that, you know, you can meditate, give yourself some space to to step away from it all and then critically evaluate it through things like journaling and you know objectively analyzing what you're doing and what you're not doing you know it becomes a lot easier to navigate all of it the highs and the lows with a steady hand because you're not having those emotionally based reactions which historically are you know more so predicated on you know past circuitry and you know, your subconscious and all that built up stuff that you're not even fully aware of rather than what's actually happening at any given moment. So, you know, I just, I think that cognitive behavioral therapy, I think journaling, I think meditating are all key elements to being able to just navigate things a lot more crisply and cleanly and fluidly. Yeah. I love that respond, not react piece, especially in business. I've seen people I've had clients. I've had. I'm sure I've done it in other capacities myself. I think we've all we're all guilty of it at times when that emotion runs real high, especially in business when it's like our baby, and there's like so much passion that goes into that. That those reactions can really kill relationships in business because at the end of the day, like it's not like a husband and a wife. We're like, yeah, we're stuck together. We're working through it. We're communicating through it. When you react in a certain way in business, that like essentially start shaping your brand is like, that's who you are, right? People are going to know and find out like, 
hey, Zach's this guy that if he doesn't like X, Y, and Z, he's going to react in this fashion. And people will still steer clear of you because of that. And it starts crafting a little bit of a reputation about yourself, which it really can end up being your brand. Is there any way that, is there like a technique that you've seen that like allows that like woosah or that like tactical pause, if you will, in those moments? Or do you recognize like when they're coming up, they're starting to boil up? What's that like tip you found to like respond appropriately instead of reacting? Yeah. Yeah. It goes back to what I was saying with those particular tools. Yeah. So, you know, through the cognitive behavioral therapy, started to understand what those triggers are. And, you know, at the beginning of all of it, it was retroactively analyzing it after a reaction to those things, but slowly and surely started to be able to identify them as they're happening and step away to the point of, you know, whether it's interacting with a person or, you know, just some external stimulus that's occurring, immediately recognize it, go meditate. So you just clear your mind and then write things down. You know, there's too much in our heads and we get overwhelmed and anxious. I'm a huge advocate for using the calendar as a tremendous tool to stay out of your own head. But, you know, in doing these things, you're able to gradually train yourself like you're training for exercise. You're training your brain to make sure that you catch it. You have the tools now in place through meditation or deep breathing or anything of the sort to then, you know, evaluate it in the aftermath and see, okay, here's how I can strategically move things forward in a solution-based manner rather than having that reaction, which almost always is unproductive in the moment. And to your point, can really submarine a brand because people don't don't know what version of you they're going to get. They're not going to know what triggers you that's going to be reactive like that. And you know, I think to be a great leader, you've got to be steady. You've got to be consistent. You've got to be the rock that people come to when they're going through those things. And ideally, you can coach them on how to avoid those emotional reactions themselves. You know, I think there's a lot of value to be had in helping people navigate those things in life and business. I think an interesting aspect to that is like when you're, I think we've all had that boss, right? We've all worked for somebody or been around somebody that's been in that reactionary type that just blows up. And you just know, like you're unsettled. You feel like you can't fully speak your mind. And in a large organization in the corporate world, that's something that that person's a bad apple, but it's not going to kill the whole business. Conversely, when you're a solopreneur or your own business owner and that you have three, four, five employees, well, you blow up in two or three employees and they all leave and your business shuts down, right? Like, I think there's a piece that I love about what you said uh, about especially reflecting on what's triggering those reactions. When you're a smaller business owner, like, this is a vital aspect to understand of like, if you're acting a certain way, or going off on people. I think that's the big thing, right? If you start going off and you can tell there's that high driven emotion, a lot of people in business don't want to deal with that emotional side. That's not business, right? Even though we all have that own passion toward it, the reaction, the emotional response isn't that. I think that's a big piece where as small business owners, and maybe you can attest to this with some of your clients you've had, that is like a really vital point that I want to notate. That's why I want to harp on this a little bit. It's like, that's huge. Have you seen that with clients? Have you coached people through this? Is it common? Is it not so common? How do you, how have you seen it in your coaching capabilities? Yeah, no, by all means, it's definitely common. Yeah, I think people 
that are in leadership positions need to understand that you are dealing with with people. And it's easy to say, you know, leave your shit at the door and you know, don't bring that in, but that's just not realistic. So understanding, you know, for your team members, what style of communication is going to resonate with them becomes really critical. And if you are going to, I have a phrase, let's actually hone this in. I have a phrase that I think is highly beneficial for all leaders, and that's tough on standards, not on people. So, you know, you set the expectations very clearly. Here's what we need to do. Here's what you need to do in order to have the most success in your role for you professionally. Here's what you need to do to have the most success and most fun in this organization personally. Let's collaborate and make sure that's the case. Let's communicate about those things regularly. But if we see that those things aren't happening, then it ends up having to be a different discussion. And you know, if you're not willing to do the things that are going to level up yourself, your role, the organization, then on a long enough timeline, we're going to find people that will. So it's that directness and forthrightness, but no, we want we brought you onto the team. We want it to be you. So, you know, anything we can do to help you in those manners, you got to voice it. And that that goes to the point of, you know, really quickly identifying whether people have that skill issue or a will issue and moving on from the people that have the will issue that are just saying they want to do these things but are not actively doing them as quickly as humanly possible because those are the people that also sink an organization, can sink a team really, really quickly. I love that you said that a will issue. And that's something, and I'm sure, start with why Simon Sinek, a, a huge book huge. back in the day that I started with, one of my first leadership books, right? And I really developed my why over the years. And it's gotten more specific and it's gotten malleable. I think they change as intentions change, as in outcomes change that you want and legacies change. But it's interesting until I started like talk therapy, like my own therapist as a veteran finally got that help and like, hey, I need somebody to talk to, right? Got past that pride point. He was somebody that pointed out how toxic my why was because my why was helping those that can't or won't help themselves. And I was all about that. I was a police officer, military, the people that, right, that won't, that will to actually develop and change and be malleable attached to what you're learning is so important. But conversely, as business owners, as coaches, we have to recognize if there's a lack of will there, you literally cannot force the horse to drink water, right? The, the, the old saying, you can drink, you know, lead the horse to water, but you can't force it to drink unless you're going to start waterboarding the horse. Like there's nothing you can do. Great imagery. You know, and, and that's such an interesting point to make is that will is so important. And if you run into somebody that's not willing, you are literally going to bark up that tree for so long in the wrong direction. And I love that aspect of things. So I think it's really key for us to all learn. What would you say when it comes to finding this ideal person, finding the people that have the will, they have the standards, they have what you're looking for when you're coaching people, how have you helped them identify that piece? right? Are you coaching new business owners that are looking for this ideal client? Are you coaching them through mindset? Where are you helping them the most as a coach? And then how have you seen them get propelled forward the best in different areas that you're working with them? Yeah. You know, for me, my number one vetting criteria is to make sure that I'm working with people that have expressed that they really embody a growth mindset. I will not work with someone that 
I've identified as having a fixed mindset. And it can be a little bit challenging parsing through the words. But you know, to me, the easiest way to go about that is to ask questions to really uncover what actions have been taken prior to working with me that would indicate a growth mindset. So that can be something as simple as therapy. That can be something as far as you know, what kinds of books and you know other things do you gravitate towards to to get better? Are you actively trying to get better? What are you trying to get better in? Do you have goals for yourself? You know, so to to the point that you made, I historically have had that same type of why, and it's a fruitless effort, regrettably, regrettably, because those are the folks that, in my opinion, need the most help ultimately. But unless you're willing to help yourself, there's nothing that or very little rather that an external stimulus is going to to do for you. So, you know, the the people that I work with, I'm very grateful to say I don't have any will issue type of folks that I'm currently working with or really have worked with in this capacity just because I I'm so hyper focused on getting it right from the inception point. I think that's a really great thing for business leaders in, you know, any organization to really understand is get it right from the jump. With your interviewing process, make sure you bring the right people onto your team and not the right people from a skill perspective, but the right people from a character perspective, from a work ethic perspective, from a personal development perspective. You know, if if you're a strong leader and a strong organization, you'll have the systems in place to train your people on the hard skills, emphasize the soft skills, emphasize the right fit, know what the right fit is by clearly defining that, what your top producers and top people, you know, in terms of, of leadership are doing already in your organization. And, you know, look for that, tailor your questions in the interview process to that. You know, save yourself a lot of time, heartache, money on the back end by doing it right from the get-go. And I picked up a piece of what you said that I've not done. And it's interesting because this actually just came to head with a client that went from a mastermind I manage or I facilitate a mastermind. They were in the mastermind, transitioned into one-on-one coaching, great in the mastermind, saw all the potential, right? You see the potential as a coach and you want to expand that potential. But what I didn't recognize, and you just pointed this out, that person was not in a mental space to be working on self-development personally. And as the months ticked by, that kept feeding back into business. And you'd see different things as the personal life got more stressful, things were happening, yada, 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 right? It started feeding into the business world and affecting the business world. And then when the, as coaches, that's our job, right? We got to coach these people. So you step into that personal line sometimes, but the reaction I always got was, I'm not here for that from you. I'm here for business. And a lot of people don't recognize those two things really do cross paths, the personal and the personal mindset of development and the business mindset and development. Those things really cross paths pretty heavily. And I think that's an interesting point to recognize. And I, I like that you highlighted that. Have you seen that separation before? And then do you bring it back together or do you coach both sides of it? Or do people recognize that you coach both sides of it and you kind of do coach both sides of it, but they don't recognize it really? <laughs> I'm very forthright with people. You know, I'm, I'm not going to you know, do the voodoo trickery to uh, you know, try to put the pieces together. I'm going to be very direct and overt of what I'm doing and why I'm doing it. And yes, I definitely run into those, you know, 
people having that divergent mindset for business and life. And I definitely emphasize bringing that all together, you know, because the work-life balance commentary always gets me because to me, if you're doing things right, there's, it's all balanced anyway, you know, and, and frankly, if it's not, tell me what, how you're measuring that so you can actually have a leg to stand on when you say you don't have the work-life balance, but little digression there. You know, I think that people really in, in life and business, a lot of it starts with having a target, having very, very clearly, specifically defined goals that you're going after. And those things should be intertwined. You're at work a huge portion of time. That's part of your life. So, you know, if you have goals in business, goals in life, those things should have some intersection ultimately. If, again, in my opinion, it's being done correctly. So, you know, when I'm, I'm talking to people that I work with, I really want to make sure that they have those things very clearly defined because then we can start creating action steps. We can start utilizing calendars to place as much directly impactful action day after day after day into your calendar for you to execute on, block out the noise and drive much more linearly towards whatever those outcomes are. And that's the thing, you know, I I just, I really try to help people eliminate or at least minimize the distractions, minimize the noise. And that can be emotions that can be, you know, really anything that's getting in your way of, of driving that. And then journal, you got to write down, analyze critically on a day-to-day basis. Here's what I did. Here's what I didn't do so that you can not waste days, weeks, months, you know, just doing somewhat arbitrarily, you know, you're actually looking at it and saying, okay, you know, this was great today. This wasn't great today. I'm not going to beat myself up over it not being great today, but I assure shit, I'm going to do it tomorrow so that I can be honest with myself about how I'm progressing and moving the ball forward on a daily basis. So again, you know, I a little bit of a, a tangent, but I think it's really important to um, just narrow, narrow the focus and drive as linearly as possible towards a predetermined target. Yeah, man. I, I love that. And tangents are always when like the best content comes out to me because it's like, exactly. That's like the labored point we really want to get as the nugget out of here. Because again, going back to the journaling aspect, the things that are measured are what can be changed, right? If you're not measuring your actions, you're not measuring those aspects of things. And journaling is one way to do it, just logging, right? Logging your thoughts, logging your feelings, logging what's happening through the day. That's a form of measuring what's happening and reflecting upon it and improving upon it or just bringing it into your own awareness. And that's such an important part. And that's something you mentioned earlier. It brings you into your awareness so you can start recognizing different aspects as you start feeling in some kind of way, or you start seeing different aspects pop back up in business. And at the end of the day, it's not all rainbows and sunshines, right? Is there something that you're working on in business currently or recently that's been a struggle for you that you're still trying to figure out? You're still working through yourself as a business owner? Yeah, by all means, it's asking for help, which is it's funny because you know I have definitely delegated plenty in, in my career and you know, like I've mentioned, you know, I've, I've utilized and sought out resources as I've gone along. But you know, I like to be the giver, not the asker. And you know, I'm really doing my best to break out of that mold because in order to really advance in business and advance really in any sort of growth process, you understand you 
You're not going to be able to do it all on your own. And people are going to be willing to help you because they know that you are always willing to help other people. So for myself, I've struggled a bit. I I had a client yesterday that I've been working with, and we've been generating tremendous success where she has people that she's been around for years in her organization saying, what's going on here? What's the difference maker? She's like, well, I've been working with Brett in in a business coaching capacity. I said, you know, I'd like to deflect the credit. You know, she's done a tremendous amount of work on her own and she had a lot of amazing skills to, to build off and certainly the passion. But, you know, I asked her if she knows of any other people that feel like would be a good fit for for working with me in a coaching or consulting capacity. And she lit up. She's like, I was waiting for you to ask that. I had I talked to a guy yesterday about you that's had hasn't had success in finding the right fit that you guys would be great. And she connected me with him and you know we're we're likely going to start working together uh shortly as well. So it's just being unafraid to ask when you know that you are typically the looking at things through the lens of giving. You know, conversely, if you're just a taker, that's, yeah, stop asking so much. Focus on giving and you'll receive as a byproduct anyway. Yeah. And that's such an interesting dichotomy there because you see the people that are always giving have so much trouble asking, but the people that are asking a lot because they need the help and you can recognize that they need the help. I've seen that those people offer to give back, but generally aren't in a space to, which means they generally can't, or they haven't figured out a way to give back. Is there any tip that you've seen in some, in that shift when you're in a really bad spot and you want to still feed into other people or give forward? Is there something that you've seen help them that to like conceptualize, this is how you can give value in order to position yourself for an ask? Yeah, by all means. You know, I was on a, I was on a call. I'm in this community called CLS Experience with Craig Siegel. And he had Randy Garn on recently. And Randy's partnered up with Brenda Burchard and you know, just a tremendous human being. And he said that he wakes up every day and he sends out five handwritten letters to people, you know, just praising them. You know, I think that it doesn't always have to be something so tangible as far as you know, physical gift or whatever the case may be. You can really add a lot of value to people's lives by praising them, by asking them questions and actively listening to them. It's such a standout skill that that makes people feel valued and heard and understood. So, you know, I don't think it has to be grand gestures necessarily. It's really showing an active interest in other people and understanding that even if you're not the one that is going to be the facilitator of directly solving for whatever problem that is for an individual, you know, thinking about them, keeping them top of mind and looking for the right opportunity to connect them with a resource, whether it's, you know, person or book or whatever the case may be, that will help them in whatever capacity they need. So yeah, I see it all the time. And I think just, again, circling it all back, Praise is the easiest form of value you can give to people um, and, and you know, making them feel good and important and valued. I absolutely love that. And it's interesting how far that will go, where if you're reaching out to people just to say, hey, thinking about you can go a long way where every time I, I have certain people that every time I hear from them, it's an ask every single time. And there's never the check on, right? So it's like that, it almost becomes like a groan. We're all human, right? I'm willing to give. I'm willing to do. I always, and especially with this person in particular, I still give. 
And it's just one of those things. It's like, ah, I know this is about to take several hours of my time. It's never uh, like almost becomes like never a pleasant conversation. Right. So I think it's an interesting aspect to notate. It can be something as simple as, hey, I'm just thinking about you. I appreciate this and this that you did for me a week or two ago or whatever it may be. Right. Just showing that appreciation of the individual, not necessarily always the the ask or the thing that you're needing. I think that's a really interesting aspect of it that can really benefit a lot of us to show that appreciation in different capacities and everything that we've unpacked here, man. I really want to understand your end game a little bit better. You're putting some amazing things out there. You're really starting to push yourself forward and you're doing a lot of awesome things in your coaching and everything you're doing with your business. What's that end game for you? What is that legacy you want to leave in the world with everything you're putting out there? That's that's an awesome question. And what I really want to do is create a, a world specifically in business, which has that permeating you know, personal effect on life where people are happy to go to work. They are excited to go to work. You know, they are either creating that environment for themselves, you know, through entrepreneurship and creating companies that you know really value the individual on a personal level as well as a professional level. And you know, I want to make sure that leaders understand that. In order to grow your business, you've got to invest in the human capital end of the equation and genuinely care about the people and create fun and collaborative environments where people can speak freely and they can get better in all aspects of their life. And you know, as leaders, we help facilitate that. And you know, to me, that's something that can leave a, a real lasting impact because it's not in a bubble. It has such a tremendous permeating effect into all other areas of, of life and relationships. So the person that is happy to come to work, is productive, feels valued, and is growing personally and professionally, isn't going to show up as a better husband, wife, father, mother, show up as a better friend, just show up in life better for other people. And to be able to spread that type of philosophy and, and really, you know, strategy that's applicable everywhere, ultimately, is something that gets me hyped. I, I'm hyped to get up in the morning and get the day going because you know, I know what an impact it can have because most of us have been or are in situations work-wise where we are not lit up to, to go in there day to day. doesn't have to be that way. So let's change it. And as leaders, let's certainly change it. But as you know, quote unquote employees don't get stuck. Look for those things. You deserve to look for those things and those people and organizations that are going to value you on a personal level, first and foremost, because that's going to be what leads to the most productivity ultimately, anyhow. And Brad, I absolutely love that. And it's definitely an amazing mission to be on, man. I want to give the audience the opportunity. Give us your social media handles, your contact information, what the best place for them to find more of this content is. How can they best reach out and connect with you? Sure. Uh, so I have a, a website. It's called nofnosolutions.com. I've got plenty of resources on there. So that's one way. Just you can text me and call me. You know, my number is 551 404 4060. I love 
talking to everyone, you know, and seeing where I can help. And as I mentioned, if I can't help, I'd love to be able to point you in the right direction, you know, within my tremendous network of human beings and practitioners to help you. So that's another way. I'm on Instagram at Knopf Knows. And, you know, other than that, Facebook, LinkedIn, Brett Knopf, there's a lot, a lot of ways to track me down here. And I just, I love to be of service in whatever capacity I can. Brett, I appreciate that, man. I love all the wisdom you brought to us. And of course, I encourage everybody to reach out, connect with Brett, but also come back this Friday as we get a little bit more tactical where we get some action steps from Brett about what we can apply and accomplish today. Brett, thanks for all your time, my friend. Yeah, thank you, Zach. You are a tremendous human being yourself. Thank you for listening to another episode of the Tactical Leader Podcast. If this episode helped you along your journey of self-mastery and has inspired you to do more, I challenge you to head over to myvoicechallenge.com so you can find out how you can discover your voice, claim your independence, and build that thriving business that you've always wanted. Again, that's myvoicechallenge.com.